As we prepare to hear the word of God, let us pray for illumination. Holy One, through your Holy Spirit, illumine our hearts and instruct us by your word, that we may hear your call to become your path into the world. In Christ we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came from Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler, who is the shepherd my people. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men, and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star that had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure, treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared in Joseph, a dream, and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up and took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Aaron. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. He sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under. According to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing the loud lamination, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Startle us, O God, with your grace and truth. Surround us with your love in this Advent season. It is a time of the wonder of Christmas, surrounded by the lights, the smells, the tastes of the holidays, surrounded by the sound of music and the magic of the season. And for so many, and perhaps for all of us, there are parts of this season that do not look like a Christmas card. Whether it is the brokenness in our own individual lives, the many who will spend this holiday as a refugee or in the path of war, the people who will not have enough money 
for a Christmas dinner or a tree with toys underneath. We ask your grace and love that we would see in each other the need for compassion in this season and grace unto ourselves for lives that are always going to be less than perfect. And so as we hear your word today, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We heard one of the Christmas stories today, the one from the Gospel according to Matthew. We heard not the Christmas pageant version, but the whole thing, complete with the part about the Holy Family fleeing for their lives to Egypt and Herod slaughtering innocent children. I got the idea for this morning's sermon from something I read recently called Keeping Herod in Christmas, which is a catchy title because it begs the question, who would want to do that? Who would want to keep Herod in Christmas? Herod is the bad guy in the story. Upon meeting him just once, the wise men are quickly convinced that they want nothing to do with him. They return to their homes by another road in order to avoid him. By the end of this morning's reading, he has ordered the slaughter of innocent children in order to find and destroy the Christ child. There is no exaggeration in saying that Herod's presence in the Bible's Christmas stories is as if all of your holiday celebrations were suddenly upset by a natural disaster or a mass shooting or the church being burned to the ground. Why would anyone want to keep Herod in Christmas. In order to understand, we need to spend some time paying attention to who Herod was and what purpose he serves in the story that is being told. King Herod, or Herod the Great, ruled over Jerusalem in the years surrounding the birth of Jesus. If you are wondering why anyone would call him great, it is because there is some ambiguity in evaluating his leadership. He is great insofar as he is associated with the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem, a sign of his Jewish identity and a big deal for his people. The same is true of several other major building projects for which Herod is remembered. However, Herod often used ruthless means to accomplish his ends. The temple and his other building projects were accomplished by slave labor. He was a tyrant who held on to power by putting to death anyone he thought might be a threat to his authority, including his wife and two of his own children. It also helps as context to know that while Herod was king in Jerusalem, he was not really the king. He was actually a puppet ruler of the Roman Empire. 
Herod held on to his power only by appeasing the Romans who were over him. And so in Herod, we have a tyrannical and deeply insecure leader who will do anything to stay in power. You can probably come up with modern equivalents. Stepping back to the story most of us know better, the Christmas story, the wise men, or magi, or kings, as may be your tradition, they have been watching the heavens for signs of a promised Messiah. And they have followed a star to Jerusalem, asking around to find out if anyone knows where the child is to be born. News of these foreign visitors reaches Herod, the local king, who calls together his group of spiritual advisors, and they decide together that the wise men should be sent to Bethlehem to search for the child. Herod instructs them specifically to report back to him. The wise men proceed to follow the star, and they find the child. You know the story. And as that story goes, having then been warned in a dream, and having learned a few things themselves from their introduction to Herod, the wise men return to home by another road. When Herod discovers that he has been tricked, he needs a plan B to find and destroy this newborn rival, so he sends out his henchmen to kill all the children under the age of two. And because Joseph is warned in yet another dream, he, the father, with Mary and the child, escape death by fleeing to Egypt. It is hard to tell if this massacre ever really took place. In a town the size of Bethlehem in those days, it might have only affected 20 to 30 families. Not that that's any less tragic. Or the massacre might have been craftily covered up by Herod. Tyrants do have a way of doing such things. But in any case, this massacre is never mentioned in any historical source outside of the Bible story. However, the story does have an obvious biblical and theological purpose. This is almost exactly the same story as another one in the book of Exodus. In that story, Pharaoh, the king in Egypt, kills innocent children in order to prevent the enslaved Hebrews from becoming too numerous to rise up against him. And one child escapes. His name is Moses. The Gospel of Matthew is giving us a message that is very clear. Jesus is the new Moses. Pay attention, follow him, he will be your deliverer. And Herod, Herod is the new Pharaoh. Now Pharaoh, like Herod, was a tyrant, and his tyranny was driven also by the fact that he was insecure. 
Go back and read the books of Genesis and Exodus. These are not just cute stories about burning bushes and parting waters. These are stories about what happens when a king leads out of a place of insecurity and anxiety. The Pharaoh of Egypt is a rich king who can never amass enough wealth to make him feel safe and secure. He dreams at night about corn that does not grow as tall as his neighbors and cattle that are thinner than the next guy's. This is a person who stores up grain in barns for seven years, and when a famine comes, he trades the grain to people who are starving in exchange for their freedom. And yes, when those slaves become too numerous, he fears revolt, and so he kills their infant children. It is a story of insecurity and anxiety that leads to tyranny. And again, I'm sure you can come up with modern-day equivalents. So back to Herod and the original question, why keep Herod in Christmas? Herod symbolizes all the worst impulses in human leadership. He is entirely self-interested. He is obsessed with his own power. He is abusive and violent, even toward those who are closest to him. And even though he is profoundly rich and powerful, he can only see what he does not yet have. And so he is consumed by the anxiety that there will never be enough. In all of these things, Herod is the perfect foil, the perfect dramatic contrast to the true king, Jesus. The whole purpose of Jesus coming into the world is to be for others. For the healing, teaching, the upbuilding, not of himself, but of everyone else. He demonstrates this quality in the leadership that can be seen by everyone. Those who meet him at a great distance or only once, like the wise men. And those like his disciples who will experience his grace and love daily and most closely. And Jesus is so secure and, in, and at peace with himself and his ministry that even when it means losing his very own life, he gives himself away. Herod, as we have said, is a, a puppet king. He is subject to the authority of the Romans. So when the news comes that the Messiah, the liberator of the people, the new Moses who will once again lead them to freedom, when news comes of this Messiah born in Bethlehem, well, a pious man would have greeted this news with hope and joy. But Herod only sees it as a threat. And he responds with violence. But when the wise men follow the star and reach the manger, they find the opposite of Herod, 
They find a vulnerable child who embraces a different way of living. One that is free of all insecurity or anxiety. One who is full of peace and love. One whose message will change history. Aside from those broad strokes, there are more specific things to notice about this story, additional things that make it a powerful story for our own time. In this story, we learn that from the moment of his birth, Jesus was a refugee. Our own world is full of refugees. This has always been true, and it is certainly true today. And the Herods of the world have always committed the violence that leads people to flee from their homes and become strangers in strange lands, longing for peace and freedom. The modern evidence is there every time we turn on the TV or read the news feed or hear a report from our own church's mission committee. And so at Christmas time, we must not miss the theological connection. It is stated so plainly in Matthew 25. There Jesus says, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. From the time of his birth, Jesus was a refugee. And one of the ways we worship him is by offering kindness and relief to the refugees of our own world. Another thing this story tells us is a bit more individually challenging. As much as we hope to compare ourselves to the innocent, vulnerable love of the Christ child, the fact is there is a little bit of Herod in all of us. Of course, we're not sending out edicts to slaughter innocent children, but just about all of us have been guilty of the internal struggles that cause that behavior in Herod. We've been guilty of worrying that we don't have enough, even though there is enough, or feeling threatened by the power of someone else, or trying to control things that are really God's business. We are selfish at the expense of people who suffer. We commit small acts of violence to insulate ourselves from harm. We feed our anxieties with addictions that help us to temporarily feel in control. The stories of Pharaoh and Herod are meant to show us that their qualities reside in all of us. And that is why we need a savior. So the Christmas story gives us a wake-up call. If pharaohs and kings, who have more power than anyone, if they worry about such things, if they are anxious and insecure, how much more susceptible might regular folks be like you and me?
But the story we read this morning also has a hopeful ending. For as pervasive as the violence and anxiety of the world may be, there is also a thread of wisdom that is woven through this morning's story, if we are able to hear it. The other kings in this story, the magi, or wise men, if you will, they are asked by Herod to join his life of selfishness and anxiety when he invites them to come back and tell me of the child. But once they have met the Christ, they choose not to listen to Herod, but to go home by another road. There is no evidence that these wise men were any wiser than the rest of us, that they were more holy or divine or flawless than any other human being. But in this story, and at least on that day, they had an experience of meeting Jesus, and it was powerful enough to change their lives. They turned away from the anxiety and violence that are so damaging to human souls. They go home by another road. And because they are not Jesus, but they merely have met him, their story invites us to take another road, too. So we keep Herod in Christmas because he shows us that God understands the ways of this world and is sending a Savior who can help us. Our Savior shows us solidarity with refugees and all kinds of people who suffer. Our Savior is one who helps us look in a mirror and see our own fears and anxieties. Our Savior is one who helps us to take another road one that leads to a richer life. This is the one whose star we must find and follow, the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace, the god of love, come down from heaven. Amen.